my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the show. It's exciting to know that this podcast has helped thousands of people in Australia and around the world to share their faith. To be honest, I've not always been confident to share Jesus and I've made plenty of mistakes. Over the years of mistakes and through some great study, I've become a lot better at personal evangelism or personal witness as Americans may call it. Before we get into this week's episode, can I encourage you to come and join me inside my online course on Mission with God at Home, which is now on sale at 50% off until April 15th. If you've made your mistakes like me, but you still have a heart to share Jesus in ways that people can relate, then come and meet up with me in the course. I know I can help you and we can have a lot of fun doing it together. So go to onmissionwithgod.com for April 15th. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm speaking to Aresti Pompetti, who's the director of Forge Australia, and we're talking about discerning the steps to join God at work. Welcome to you, Aresti. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for having me here today. It is fantastic to have you along. So this is a big question because it's post-pandemic now. Well, in Australia and I guess many other nations, we're talking post-pandemic. But discerning the steps to join God at work, I know as an organisation you are very good at helping individuals and churches discern those steps and to try and discover what God is doing. What I want to know first up is, What's something new that someone has discerned that you've taken through a process and how are they joining God at work? Yeah, sure, sure Tina. And look, in, in, in describing to you one, one example, it's going to sound pretty ordinary and unremarkable uh, and hopefully people can identify with that in everyday life because so much of that is like, is, is life is like that for us. So there is one person that journeyed with Forge Australia in, in going through a, a learning cohort that we call our residency. And people generally are encouraged to think of their context. That is, where are they? Is it a neighbourhood or a network? And come in with that, that perspective of what you sense God might be inviting you into. And so we'll talk about to this particular person, as we do with other residents, God is already at work in your neighbourhood, in your context. Can you begin to see how that is happening and, and join God in that context? So people will describe their context as clearly as they can and still wrestle with it because it's it's one level an interesting thing and yet it's complicated and difficult for people. So through a process of six to nine months, it looked to us like seemingly people weren't making much progress because it was they weren't able to articulate what they were discerning. And yet months afterwards when we connect with people in our network, that's when we hear the stories. And the exciting thing is that we have not been involved. It's been the individual working that through with God and they begin to articulate something that in this particular example is someone recognising their context is in a university campus, not very different to what they said originally or initially, but the clarity with which they describe what they're doing to join God, the confidence, the sense of assurance, that's where the gold is. That's where they have a stronger sense that God is with them and, and God's already there and they're joining him. So that's one example. I love that, the sense of clarity. You know, that person coming back saying, I'm able to describe very clearly because I, I guess like even for myself, Arresti, I think, yeah, I, 
I feel like God's saying this in, in general. I might use that language in my mind or to my friends in general, but to be able to have that clarity of exactly then how to join him, give me a few pointers on how I might kind of get that type of clarity. I know that you can't give me nine months worth of coaching right here, <laughs> but give me a couple of hints. One tip would be or a hint would be do what you enjoy doing in, in your given context. Everybody is somewhere. Name the things you enjoy doing. Now, I know, Tina, you, I don't know if you still play tennis. I try to. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be sport. You enjoy sport. You enjoy tennis. You enjoy netball, whatever it might be. Join the local netball club. And that is legitimate ministry. Mm. So we get people lean into what you enjoy doing and use that as a starting point. And you may well discover God is at work. In fact, he will be at work there, but you may discover just how much he is at work there. So do what you enjoy doing. Recognize that as legitimate kingdom activity. And, and then the next thing is notice. Begin to use your eyes, your natural eyes. Use your ears, listen. And ask the Holy Spirit to increase your awareness of what's going on, not just through the natural senses, but also through that spiritual and I don't like separating the spiritual from the natural too much because there's, the reality is we use both. But beginning to hear the Holy Spirit in those everyday, ordinary, unremarkable situations and contexts, that would be just two things we'd encourage people to lean into. And they're both very achievable to anybody on the planet. Yeah, 100%. Now, look, I love that because the way you said that about look for something that you enjoy or do you enjoy it, to me what that is saying is you're believing that God is integrated in all parts of our lives. I'm not looking for a little bit of extra margin to actually do something for Jesus, but I'm looking for how he has made me up from the beginning. If we're saying look for the things you enjoy, that's what you're supposing. Is that what's in your mind? Is that the underlying theology of it completely and if I'll, I'll use maybe language people may not be familiar with but we, we we want to basically disarm and dissolve this dualistic way of thinking that this stuff over here this little list of things is the spiritual holy stuff typically we would think it's church services singing songs together in worship hearing a sermon completely agree they are good things to do but they are not the only spiritual activities but then we separate out all the other unspiritual stuff the secular stuff tennis netball the things i enjoy doing and so we try to break that down and get people to have more of a a, a non-dualistic perspective so it's the everyday things we we are sanctifying the everyday things that we do the ordinary unremarkable everyday things that are in our things to do list so we don't have to, we're not asking people to add a whole bunch of extra things to their already busy lives, but in the things that you're already doing and put, you know, in this example of sport, netball, include that in there because you're going to love that, aren't you? You're probably going to want to do that anyway. Recognising that it's, God is pleased with that, you're not having to add an extra thing into your busy agenda. So it's reclaiming and redeeming all the things we put our hands to and when we offer that up to God, it becomes essentially sanctified. We're offering it up in his name. And there's more we could talk about in that, but that's essentially the starting point. Mm, I love that because it's a, a completely different way of viewing your Christian life, isn't it? Like if you're already doing things but you're saying to me and suggesting to individuals and churches 
that in what we're already doing to be attuned or aware of where God is at work and then joining him, so two parts to that equation, I guess, it's a lot easier. Why do people find it so difficult? And they really do, Tina, and this is what we rack our heads at, you know, when we have combos with the Forge Australia team. And to be honest, I have to remember, so did I. I have to not forget that um, I also struggled and saw this particular set of things as the holy things, the more important things. And I think it, it's it's legitimacy. I feel it's a, it's, a, it's a whole thing of legitimacy. If I have a sense that these other activities in my everyday life are legitimised, if I don't have that confidence myself, I need to get those signals from people I look up to and respect. Now, the most important place to hear it is from God, but often as humans, we struggle. So significant people around us that have influence, leaders, church leaders, mentors, people who we really look up to. When we begin to hear those things from people like that, then we start to realise, so it's okay. Like the things that I do in everyday life that I enjoy, I can see that as an avenue of ministry of joining God in what he's already doing in that netball club or whatever it might be. I think that's why it's difficult because we're so wedded to a narrow set of things, the spiritual things in inverted commas, and everything is unspiritual. It's that whole dualistic way of looking at things that makes it hard because when we describe this type of thing to people, they look at us and they'll think, but surely is that it? That's so simple. So that it takes time to recognise and realise and be convinced that this is legitimate ministry. Yes. Well, I'm thinking that I'm thinking about Jesus and I'm thinking about his last words to um, go and make disciples. I know this might sound a little bit too simple, but I'm thinking if he said that, if that's for everybody, the billions of followers on the planet, it must be doable. And, and maybe what we're talking about today, this is the equation that makes it doable for everybody. Absolutely. And, and we, we recognise as we invite people into spaces of connection in Forge or, or learning cohorts, it's to that end that there is this realisation and awareness. And at an individual level, first and foremost, in connection with God. And, and that's why for us, formation is such a core part that leads us to be missional people. But it's also not just the formational part in terms of me becoming more like Christ at an individual level, it's how I relate to others. And so the relational community part is that we're part of a body. And you, you, you know the scriptures, Tina, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians verse 4, all speak about the different parts, but they all operate together in unity as one. Well, that's, that's how it's meant to be. And as we go on that journey of realising that more and more, hierarchies and competition are not the order of the day in the kingdom. It's about coming together. We're on the level, humbly working together, collaborating, where the, you know, the eye doesn't say, I don't, I don't need the ear, I don't need the small toe. Oresti doesn't say, I don't need Tina because I can do things better than her, which frankly we know isn't true, but <laughs> sometimes we live in our own delusions. For some of us, it's, it's arrogance. For others, it's, it's, uh, we suppress ourselves and think we're not good enough. And so when we can begin to realise we've all got a part to play in this beautiful body, how God and the Spirit is bringing it together, that's a mindset, a mindset shift or a paradigm shift. And all of a sudden, uh, mission and ministry doesn't become about a competitive thing or it's not a thing that I'm not good enough and I can't, so we leave it to others. It's we've all got a part to play. Every Everybody gets to play. And the size or the extent of what we do is not the important thing. 
It's that we're active, but more importantly, we're acting out of that identity of who we are in Christ, that we are beloved, you know, sons and daughters of, of God or his children. Mm. I know a little bit about your life right now, but without saying exactly, you know, what you're doing in terms of your work, you're living what you teach, basically. You're working somewhere, which I'd like for you to tell us just a little bit about, where you have this opportunity to integrate something that you enjoy doing, which is this work that you're doing, but being able to interface and just join God at work. Tell us a little bit about that or, or as much of it that you can tell us about. Yeah, absolutely. So let's be very dualistic here just for a moment. We don't want to stay there. Is that I, I had a view that um, having a paid role as a minister in church was was the pinnacle. And I I, I operate in that space. And, and in and of itself, there was nothing wrong with that at all. It was probably my thinking, my understanding, which wasn't lacked imagination and was far too narrow. And so this whole process of trying to lean into God and join him in his mission led me uh, to recognise there were other spaces that I could minister just as effectively if it was in response to what God was calling me, inviting me into. So lo and behold, that was as many aspects of the story that I won't go into, but it, it moved me out of working. I'm going to use this language, although I'm not a favour of, but I have to use it for clarity, is I moved out of working within the four walls of church to outside of it. And I use that language purely to make it very clear that God was very much involved outside as much as inside. And, and so it began to take on this more holistic perspective or paradigm, which is this non-dualistic view of things. This didn't happen instantly, by the way. And I ended up in roles. Initially, it was a transition to being bivocational. I had a part-time role as a paid minister, as a pastor of a church. But then I also did community development work with um, different organisations. Some were Christian, some were non-Christian. And then I moved towards working fully, full-time, outside the context of a paid church job. And I've been doing that now for the past four years uh, in, a, in a particular context in my neighbourhood. And in the, in the last four months, I've taken on a new role, full-time, which is not in the community development space, but it's in a co-working space where the community that I work with among uh, is the business community. Different people in different work contexts, startup businesses, established businesses, all kinds of people, a diversity of people. Uh, it's, it's not a paid church role at all. And yet I see that in the day-to-day, um, having conversations with people, listening to people, um, extending kindness through listening. There's a lot of things I can do to bless others in a kind of a natural way that's not weird for anyone myself or the people that I'm talking to or listening to or just doing my job with, which is really around supporting them to um, to get a sense of community in the workplace because there's a diversity of people, but also to support them in their business and to see their business flourish. And so it, it's, it's not overt in any way. It's just me being a human being in response to God. And so there's no, there's no, um, what is it? There's no, there's no bait and switch here. It is, it is a regular job, like probably many other listeners have, and sounds really ordinary and in many ways unremarkable. But I get to listen. I get to have conversations. I get to do the administrative parts of my job. Probably sounds a lot like what a lot of other people do. Years ago, I wouldn't have seen this as a thing to aspire to. I would have felt a failure that I needed to have a job in church. 
Now, not everybody necessarily thinks that, but that that's that was part of my journey. Now, I am I really often don't want to have a job in church. I'm again not opposed to it. If God invited me back into that space, I would go immediately if that's what I felt He was saying. If I was discerning that, so that's the key thing. What's God inviting me into? Not someone else, but what He's inviting me into for this season, and that season could be the rest of my life. Yes. That's a great answer. Thanks for sharing that. That's really helpful. And the first time I've heard you unpack that, so really, really helpful. It sounds like to me that there is a lot of intentionality, you know, with what you're doing, like to even be aware, I guess, of where God might be at work. Well, there's a, there's intentions that you have to bring to that, isn't there? So let, let's talk about this place of intentionality when it comes to discerning the steps to join God at work and then joining him? I think the first thing or the key thing in the intention is to, we we would say you need to have that paradigm shift. You need to see the world differently. You need to have a different lens and be fully convinced of it. So I think that's the key thing. And that I know God is out there at work, even though I may not be able to see clearly where that is in my current context, for example, I, I have the resolve that I know that God is. That's my deep belief. And I'm convinced of it through the scriptures. So I keep nourishing myself with the narratives of scripture. You know, I could just call that Bible study, but I like the language of being aware of the narratives of scripture, rehearsing them in my head, nourishing myself on them, feeding myself with those narratives, which is probably another way of saying feeding myself on the word of God. But I, I love the language of narratives. It's that big story, God's big story. And finding myself in a smaller context, in a small part of the story, in my own little story, which matters to God. And so that's, that, that sort of fuels the intentionality. So I, I come in, start my day convinced, and there's different ways to do that. You know, there's different devotional approaches we can use. So that's, that's, that's really important to have that perspective. And then looking around, noticing people, of course, God, trying to, trying to have that time in the morning or the evening, whatever works best for you, to hear from him and have a sense. And probably more than hearing from him anything that you need to do for him, more importantly, sensing his presence and his love. That's probably the most important thing, that he loves me and that I'm accepted. And that's where the formational part is so key. So my doing is not fueled from this insecurity of trying to be someone. My, my, my performance and my doing, my actions come out of a deep sense of significance of who I am in Christ. And so the nourishing myself on biblical God narratives of scripture helped me. And I haven't done a thing yet. I haven't left the house yet. It's me and God. But then before I even get to the doing, it's I'm interacting with people, my family at home, my wife, my daughters. I'm at work now, my colleagues. Am I giving space and having margin to notice them? It might just be giving someone a little bit of attention, welcoming them, making a nice comment about their appearance, you know, if it's, if it's an appropriate thing, you know, just noticing uh, a kind word, um, noticing a kind act that you might have seen them do towards someone else. It's it's engaging people relationally. This is not all about me at the top or me at the bottom. It's, it's us as human beings. And so between me in connection with God, that intentionality piece, and weaving the people in everyday life in my work context, I'm looking for spaces. I'm trying to sense as I'm doing my everyday work, what's God saying to me? And to be honest, often I don't hear things all the time. Sometimes it's just a reminder. God loves that person that I really like. God loves that person that, frankly, they really irritate me. 
but God really loves them. Maybe I've got some issues that irritate others. So there's that ongoing dialogue with God. I try to bring myself to a place of humility to realize it's not all about me. And so that's some of the intentionality and open, can open you up to opportunities to, to act, to intervene, however God might be inviting you to do that, you know. And this doesn't just mean preaching Jesus necessarily. It might, but it might mean doing something much more practical, offering a kind word, maybe buy them a coffee take them out for lunch. It might mean some consolation because they've shared their story with you and they just need someone to listen. So offering them the gift of listening. So really finding those ways of just being able to bless people in very simple, ordinary, everyday, I'm going to call them unremarkable, but they are gold. So the sanctifying the everyday and the actions that we do in Jesus' name in ways that are not awkward or make people feel weird. But draw people into something amazing that's going on. And, and that's the bit that I can't control. That drawing in is what the Spirit of God does. If I can't be drawn into the everyday, God's not necessarily going to be able to use me to draw in others through me. There's a sense that we we we, we don't carry God's presence. He's there without us, but there's a sense that he's pleased to work with us. And he, that's what he invites us into. I'm joining him. And it's just, it's just an honour. And things go on in people's lives that you... You just think this is holy stuff that God is doing and and being aware, don't overstep now. Back off. Yes. Go and do your next thing in your job. Yeah. Well, that's a big question for me. Like, <laughs> you know, how do you not overstep? Do you train people to be able to be better at that or is it a matter of experience of joining God at work over and over again, listening to people's lives and, and learning from our mistakes? What do you teach people or how has that been for you? Yeah, look, definitely I think you can train, teach. I think I like the word train, the alongsiding kind of life-on-life coaching, discipling. You do it as best you can with the time you have. You can train people in rhythms, the rhythms of intentionality. But at the end of the day, the person has to practice those rhythms and lean into them. So I gave that story about one of the people that had done a residency with Forge Australia it seemed that not much had happened. From our, from our naive, faulty senses, like, it was much achieved. And then things had happened after the residency finished, as if that person, in fact, that person was practicing the rhythms, leaning into them. And that's something we don't control, which is what I love. We don't control it. That's God at work with the person, in the person, through the person. So you can train people in the rhythms, but that's really all you can do. You can, you can, you can, Give people an example through your own life if they're able to have access to your life, and that's not always possible. You can share stories. That's all helpful. But at the end of the day, you have to, to begin to practice those rhythms and be prepared to fail. In a sense, there's, real no, there's no real failure. It's failing forward. It's If anything is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Don't ever wait to get good at doing it something because we'll never get good at it. We'll never start. So just begin to take that first step. Practice the rhythms. They seem a bit forced at first, but this is where we need the Spirit of God to come and animate us and and work through us. And that's something, we can't put a time frame on that. I can only train in the rhythms. I can't make that bit happen for the person. But I, for myself, I can lean into it. I, I can control what I do, but not with others. So, And that's the hard thing for me, Tina, because I, I love training and coaching and I overstep by I don't know, just trying to take that extra step that's impossible. I can't do it, but I find myself saying too many words 
I needed to shut up a lot sooner. I needed to be more patient, leave that person on their way. There's a shepherding side to me. I don't like seeing people in pain, but sometimes you've got to allow that to happen in the things of life. Hmm. So there's all those things that pull you in those directions, well-meaning but not helpful. I'm learning as well <laughs> to, to not overstep and, and sometimes not understepping either. Sometimes we can lean towards understepping and, and not stepping in when we should. Well, I, it, it sounds like to me that Forge Australia have done some really good due diligence on some processes of how people can actually join God at work and it does sound so easy but when you start to talk about some of these rhythms and things, these would be a new conversation for, you know, people in many spaces and that sounds like a really helpful information that would help me would be just a great refreshing and probably lots of new information for me as well. So I love the fact that there is actually some help out there for individuals and for churches that want to go on this journey of um, joining God at work, but here's how we could do that, which is fantastic. Let me just ask you one more question. I know that I'm running out of time with you today, but if, if you crashed into someone just on the street and they said, oh, Arresty, I just want your biggest tip today. Tell me, tell me, is there one thing that's going to really set me up well to join God at work? <laughs> what are you going to say to them? I would say to them, come to a place where your satisfaction in life is totally in God or more than it is now. I can't say totally because it's like we never really get there, this side of eternity. But look at you. What satisfies you? Ask yourself that question. Be honest, because sometimes it can be other things, not not God. It can be it can even be ministry, the things that we do for God. And be prepared to be honest, and 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 then go on that journey. Ask ask and ask the Holy Spirit. Let God be my satisfaction. Let Him be the most important thing in my life. That's the thing that I would say. It, it starts there. Mm. And what a big question! It is a big one, and it's a hard <laughs> one. For, it's a hard one to step into because people are like, "Where do I begin?" But if this is where I now have to stop overstepping and just leave it at that. Yes, I want to say many other things, but it's pointless. <laughs> right? Imagine if we we just all we like we finished our interview here today, and at the end of this episode, we all just took ten minutes and sat quietly with Jesus. And asked him, is he our focus of satisfaction? Or our delight? Is he our greatest joy? Because we think in our heads that he is. but And I don't think that he's going to smack us over the head, but he could enlighten us with some areas that need to be adjusted in our life. Completely. And look, for me, Tina, this has been revolutionary because I. this is why the language of narratives, I'm really appreciating it because I, I had the theological narrative that God is my satisfaction but my lived experience in reality was not the case. I was looking for satisfaction and fulfilment through doing missional stuff. Again, not bad stuff, but for me and my motive and what was driving me, there was this drivenness which was unhealthy. And I couldn't honestly couldn't see it. I think it took the pandemic to really open my eyes up to that. Look, other people could probably see it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was more subtle than that. But for me, it was an eye-opener and I felt God... Why didn't you show me this sooner? Like, why why did it take so many years for me to come to this conclusion? And I <laughs> just have to let that one go and realise that I'm just so grateful 
that I've recognised that. And it doesn't mean that missional stuff is bad or anything's bad. It just means that the most important thing is God first. It's again, it's one of the core things in Forge is we need to deal with our idols, dealing with that whole thing of idolatry. What are the things that we love more than God? And so we'll lean into it, the, the, the emphasis around Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord? Is he first in everything? Is he mm. more important to us than our marriage, than our family, than our children, as important as those things are, or our work, as important as that is, or our community, as important as that is? It has to be Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the centre and to have a lived experience of satisfaction. Well, I'm think I'm feeling the squeeze. We're all feeling the squeeze now. Thanks, Arresty. This has been a great conversation and wonderful for us to be to hear stuff and be challenged to wrestle things through. So we've been talking about discerning the steps to join God at work. I'm going to drop the links in our show notes to Forge Australia that you can stay connected to Arresty and also drop some other links in there of things that Arresty thinks that may be helpful for you as well as you move forward in discerning the steps to join God at work. So thanks, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out onmissionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time. Oh,